All right, so this is Raphael. I'm here talking with Charles, a.k.a. Todd Millie, <laughs> from, uh, founder of Todd Capital. How are you doing, Charles? I'm doing good, man. Happy to be here doing the 10X. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm trying I'm trying to get to the 10X like you, brother. <laughs> we can 10X oh, together, man. You know, you know what's so crazy about wealth? Is wealth is abundant, but so many of us act like there's only so much wealth and you got to cut out somebody to get to the wealth or you got to like not include people because there's not enough wealth. And so it's like, for me, I just have this philosophy, like we can all get it. There are more Caucasian people than us and they have more wealth per capita than us, which would indicate that there's no lack of wealth. So I'm all for helping you get there. And interestingly enough, what happens is um, as you help me, I help you. So we all win in this thing. Right, right, right. So I'm trying to do, try to help you all get more exposure. I see where I help you helps me out. Man. Yep, yep. It really does. Like you say all the time, business and uh, investing in the team sports. <laughs> 100%. Man, I told somebody recently, I was like, I feel so passionately about that concept of a team sport that I feel like if you aren't in a team, you lose wealth by default. Uh, like if you aren't operating as, as a team you get to exist in poverty it's like that idea where if you don't plan for wealth you end up poor on accident right so that's just one thing i've seen so yeah episode number one the Raphael husbands uh host of i don't even know what we're gonna call this but talk captain talk for now talk captain yeah. talk Something High capital talk, man. You've uh, you've been a member of a few things we've done. I think you definitely participated on the blog, which is helpful. Um, hopefully that you've been getting some. Hopefully, people have been contacting you about that. Um, not really, but I have I am I have started working on something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really want to talk about it too much right now because they haven't launched it. Mm-hmm. But it's like a sort of a blog slash podcast okay. camp combination thing. It's exciting, but it hasn't launched yet, so I don't really want to talk about it too much. I like it. You know, because it's not my platform, so whenever they are ready, then I'll start promoting it and talking about it. But it's been interesting so far. Yeah. I didn't I never thought of really uh, doing podcasts. I wasn't really comfortable with the idea too much, but mm-hmm. It was an opportunity presented. So they said they were looking for writers. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? Let me try it out. And you apply. They said, yeah, we want to work with you. I'm like, cool. We got on the phone. And they said, well, yeah, basically it's going to be like an interview thing. And you'll be like, uh, it'll be like a podcast. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, podcast. And I'm thinking it's just going to be writing. But I just decided to say yes, you know. I didn't hesitate to see where it goes, mm-hmm. you know. And so I stumbled across this Anchor app. I never heard of it before, but it's so simple and easy to use. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I use this for other stuff, my own stuff, work with Talk Capital. Yeah. You know, just see where it goes. I like now, that. Now, uh, lately you've seen Erica Williams. We all know Erica Williams, six-figure YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Lately, she's she's been talking a lot 
last couple of months about super teams, super teams. Mm-hmm. If you're not with a team in, in, in 2019, you're going to get left behind, just like you were saying just now. <laughs> you know, so I had a question for you, though. Mm-hmm. I saw today you were talking. You've talked about it before, too, but today you were talking about, you know, like people um, work with you for a while and then they try to cut you out and go do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my question for you. Now, we've done a little work together. Now, I've seen from working with you, like some other stuff that I could probably move on to do, like some stuff that I actually had thought about before I even uh, heard of you even. Mm-hmm. You know, so what is like the fine line? How do you decide where, when to just do your own thing or when to bring in other people with you? So I think that I always use this example. If you look at Google, if you look at Netflix, if you look at all these major, major companies, it's not just one dude at the top and everybody's at the bottom, like just little peons. You are recruiting people from Harvard. You're recruiting top tier people to come in and run these top tier organizations. And what I'm finding is, I think a lot of the reasons why people come in and leave is they don't have patience in the process. And they don't realize that like doing this, building generational wealth is gonna take longer than six months. It's gonna take longer than a year. It's gonna take longer than two years. I always tell people that we didn't get broke overnight. So we're not gonna become wealthy overnight. We're not just gonna do one deal and cure all generational uh, poverty. Like, bro, it's going to take a lifetime of doing this. So for me, I feel like anybody who moves on and kind of does their own thing, yeah, they'll get success. But if you've ever read the book, Miseducation of the Negro, the problem with that mentality is that then we both kind of lose. So then it's like you have this split up win where my win gets diluted and your win gets diluted. But they don't realize that the win is getting diluted because they're like, oh, I'm kind of getting some success on top of this. So I would say that like the line, I just, I feel like any, any energy that you have should be put into the umbrella organization of Thai Capital. And I feel like anybody's going to get paid in dividends because my goal has always been to scale this to the point to where we do IPO. But the problem is I bring people into the fold and they're like, dang, I could just go out and invest myself. Dang, I can go to Detroit and invest myself. And so a part of that is my fault. And a part of me is realizing that I can't be so open with my good ideas because people take your ideas. So um, I take 100% responsibility and accountability for that. And I always tell people like the idea isn't the sauce. Like Detroit isn't the sauce. Investment clubs isn't the sauce. The sauce is having the knowledge and the wisdom and the financial education to find the next Detroit or to find the next strategy. That's the sauce. So I'm protected because I got the sauce. <laughs> okay, you got the sauce. Because I think I was thinking today, I was thinking about it today, and I think as black people, this is like kind of 
this is kind of a foreign concept. Like people start thinking about, you know, you got to start a business, you know, invest, do all these things. But the thought of starting a business and owning it with other people outside of your family, mm-hmm. partnerships, I think that's kind of a foreign idea for us. I've been thinking about it. I, I, I didn't think about this a couple of years ago. I mean, it's like, okay, I want to start my own business. I want to start my own business. I want to start my own business. But never really think of partnering up with people and just taking a, a, a slice of a pie instead of taking the whole pie, trying to keep mm-hmm. the whole pie for yourself. Because you're always thinking about your family and pass it down to your own children and stuff. But you don't think about, let me just have 50%. Mm-hmm. Or even ten percent, because that sounds crazy to some people. I think, right? But the and interesting like, thing about it mm-hmm. is, a lot of people who tell me, like, "Oh, I would never do a deal with ten partners," are the people that have no deals. It's not like they're out there doing deals and they're telling me not to do deals with partners. They don't even have a deal. Another thing that I had to say, and this is just the onslaught over here. Another thing I have to say is that. If you look at any company, an IPO, a publicly traded company, that is a company with millions upon millions of partners. If you look at Warren Buffett's stake in Coke, Warren Buffett owns about 4% of Coke, but he's considered an owner because he owns 4% of Coke and he makes a ton of money. So I'm giving people the opportunity to do something massive, not to mm-hmm. just, oh, I make $100,000 and it's like, no, bro, we're going to turn this into a billion dollar, trillion dollar company. But I'm finding that people don't have that vision. People are like, I want to do a few wholesale deals so I can get a car and a house. Or I want to start my own group so that I can do whatever. Instead of going massive, going generational, and it requires teamwork. So, I mean, for me, it's, I'm glad, actually glad you brought this up because it's kind of the tangent that I'm on right now. And that is just that there's a lot of power in the marital union. And if you look at a lot of really, really successful business people, you look at Kendra Barnes and her husband, you look at Hood Estates, um, Pocky and Sandy, you look at Petway Estates, where they're married, you look at Charm City Buyers, they're married. I'm realizing that in a lot of ways, I F myself by depending on other people outside of my family. And so now I'm like, I got to bring that in-house because that relationship is permanent. That relationship doesn't have ulterior motives. That relationship isn't looking to see what else they can get. They don't want the big piece of chicken. Like, because if I get the big piece of chicken, she also gets the big piece of chicken. But a lot of people that I've been dealing with, they're like, man, I'm just here to learn. And I didn't even know they were here to learn. A long time ago, I put out this thing that I wanted to have a, a, non, a, non, a non-disclosure agreement, non-compete. And people are like, ah, oh, I can't go, I can't do that because you know, I'm actually kind of signed up to create my own group. And so I didn't know people were joining so they could learn the strategy. People were joining so that they could take it and run with it, which in my opinion sucks. But I'm learning that a lot of people who do business don't do stand-up business. A lot of people who do business don't believe in the idea of community. And in a community, you can't have a bunch of liquor stores on the street. That's not a community. In a community, you can't have a bunch of sporting goods stores on the street. In a community, you can't have a bunch of McDonald's, McDonald's after McDonald's after McDonald's. And that's the way we do business in a lot of ways. We do business in a copycat manner. They would say, dang, 
I saw somebody, he was like, oh, man, you're making money doing LLCs? I got to start doing LLCs. And I put out this, <laughs> like, this rant about how I think it's lame that somebody would see me doing business how I do it and try to copy it. I was like, I don't want competition. And somebody was like, oh, man, that's weak. You don't want competition. You should want competition. I was like, no intelligent business person wants competition. They want a monopoly. They want to be the person that you think of when you think of that industry. And I've kind of become that. But I just feel like as a community, we are kind of business illiterate in that <clears throat> we need to create businesses that complement each other, not compete with each other. Yeah, I get that. Hey, you were saying um, everybody can't be a athlete or a rapper. It doesn't make it a community. I remember you were saying that. Because mm-hmm. you can't, it's like you said, you can't build a community like that. You can't, you literally can't, in a literal sense, you can't build a community like that. You can't have a neighborhood where you only have professional athletes and right. entertainers and be self sufficient. Because then you still have to go. You still have to depend on somebody else to feed you, literally speaking. The question becomes, are we trying to build a community or are we just trying to get money? Because a lot of people are just trying to get money. I am not here to get money. We have an investment club that kicks out 80% of the returns to to the members. 80%. Nobody else is giving anybody terms like that. I guarantee you. It does not exist. Not because I'm just that generous, because it's about the community. It's not about my pocket. And so I feel like that's one thing that people are missing. And it's great that we're all thinking business. It's great that we're all thinking real estate and ownership, but we have to be intelligent about how we do these things. An example is people who are real estate wholesalers. There's all these people out there who are real estate wholesaling and they're going in, they're getting these properties. They're talking to a little old ladies, taking the property, and then they go and wholesale it to somebody who doesn't look like them. And the justification is like, oh, well, uh, you want me to take less to sell to my own kind when I can get more and sell it to this dude? And those same people, 10 years from now, are going to say, oh, gentrification, gentrification, gentrification. And so people aren't seeing past six months. They're looking at how much money I can make now. And I always tell people that I compare some of these wholesalers, not all of them, some of these wholesalers to slave traders, where they're pimping out their community for a check and they think that it's okay because they're making a check. Slave traders made money too. In a lot of instances, slave traders look just like the people they were slave trade in. So for me, I just have a purpose that's bigger than getting a check. I know the check's going to come, but I'm I'm not solely doing it for the check for the purpose of spending money. And I think that's what happened when I got around somebody who was Jewish and they're not chasing money to buy things. They're chasing money for the power and the influence that comes with money. Yeah. Now, now you bring that up. I got an interesting question for you. I'm glad I got you on this recording. It's funny. I, I, I've been wondering about this for a while now, and I saw you post a picture. It was so funny. I think it was today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. of the book called The Billion Dollar Bet. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know where I'm going with this. Uh, the story of Bob Johnson and the BET channel. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were mad because 
he created this this huge channel media empire and then just sold it Mm -hmm. took the money and ran what do you i mean i kind of know your feelings on it but what are your feelings on that he i don't i don't believe in selling i'll never forget i was watching this warren buffett interview and he was telling he was saying like you should never sell a good business for cash because that cash flow is what's most important. Cash flow. I never sell real estate. Everything we buy is for the purpose of keeping it forever. Why? So we can pass it on to our kids. I was thinking about this today. I was like, you know what's crazy? Is if we never sell our property, our kids are guaranteed generational wealth. It's not a hope. It's not a if I do everything right and the stock market gives me what we're supposed to give me. Like, no, if we do everything right, no, if we don't do anything at all, our kids are going to inherit property. I thought that was so amazing because it is better for your kids to have assets than cash. It's better for them to have a consistent stream of revenue for the rest of their life and annuity into perpetuity than to have cash. You can blow cash. You can spend cash on whatever. The cash flow is wealth. Wealth is something you can't get rid of. Rich is something that you can. And I think that since we're on this phone call, I'm starting to realize like wealth is measured in assets. Rich is measured in, measured in cash. You mm-hmm. might be a rapper. You might be rich and you have money. But if you don't have any assets, you aren't wealthy. You are not wealthy until you cross over into having assets. And that is the distinction. And I just realized that right now. The distinction between rich and wealthy isn't a number. It's how you have your wealth how you have what you own. Is it liquid or is it illiquid? Are you rich? Are you wealthy? Wealthy you can't get rid of. So what frustrates me is I see all these people who buy these properties and they sell them. And I'm like, that's cool. But first and foremost, you got to pay half to Uncle Sam. And then after that, then your cash is going to depreciate in value based off of inflation every single year. So for me, more cash. Right. And then not even from a money perspective, I'm talking about a community perspective because for me, it's all about the community. It's not about the cash. So you took something that was building up your community, sold it to somebody who doesn't care about your community. And now BET is crap. It is literal crap. And that's what people people do when they sell out their community to wholesalers and people who come in there and revitalize it. You take a buck and they turn it into crap. Either it's crap in the sense that you can't afford to live there or it's crap in the sense of kind of like when we lost our businesses and we used to have legit communities where you had a black doctor, a black barber, a black pharmacist, a black grocery store. You had a black this, black that. And now all we got is liquor stores and gun stores. That's what happens when you sell out your community. You get the worst. And so for me, that's why I tell people like, it's, it's bigger than the buck. The buck just helps you get to the purpose. So you would um, you would lump in deals like Shea Moisture and Bevel and kind of like the same right. thing? I just, I just don't believe in selling, man. I don't believe in selling, ever. The only time I can feel like you could justify selling is maybe if you're teetering on the edge of bankruptcy. Like if your company is going to go out of business and by selling, you can keep it in business, Maybe, but 
there are folks out here who are literally building companies for the purpose of selling them. And I just, it doesn't make sense to me because there's so much power in your company. And I'll tell you the power that's in your company that's not just the money that you generate. It's power in your company because when Big Baller Brown started their company, they had a bunch of black executives. They had a black sales force. They had a black merchandise people. They had black designers. They had black everything. A business creates the community. If you look at Google, if you look at Facebook, if you look at all those companies in Silicon Valley, the reason why that community exists is because of the businesses that are there. Detroit was built by the businesses that were there. Therefore, if you sell off your business, you sell out your community. If you sell your homes, you sell out your community. Everybody comes on the internet. Everybody gets on social media and they talk about community issues, but they don't do any community building. I'm not about causing, telling somebody else it's their job to solve, to, to solve our community issues. But one thing I'll tell you is in a lot of ways, the reason why the community is the way it is, is also in how people do business. Because if you do bad business, then your community is just going to, it's not going to be able to coexist. And so what I mean by that is like, unfortunately, there's a lot of really, really not so good people who don't have the right mindset, who aren't intelligent enough. And this is why education is so important. A lot of people think that education really is just to get a job. When I think education is to start a business, like your degree is a business. My degree is a business. I have an advantage at Thai Capital because I have a degree in finance and I'm getting an MBA and I have a, and I also have a law degree. Like I have the advantage. Like there's not a lot of people who can do what I do, but the people who can do what I do also have degrees in finance. And so you can go to school, get a degree and start a job or get a job, or you can go to school, get a degree and start a business. And I think that the latter is obviously more lucrative, but the opportunities there and the possibilities there, a lot of people don't know that because that business is going to pay off your loans a whole lot faster than your job will. The asset company is going to pay off your job a whole lot faster than your job will. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. So even um, this one more example, even these deals where they sell the company, but somehow still stay, I think this is kind of a bad one. When they sell the company, but they stay on as like pretty much the manager. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's not the way, man. That's not the way. Like I, I, just, I just think, I feel like you don't, you don't see other cultures doing that stuff. You don't see Jewish people saying, oh, well, we're just going to sell and take the money. Money sucks. Money is stupid. Assets are what matters. Assets, that company is what matters because a lot of us, when we look at companies, we're just looking at the net income. We're looking at, oh, how much does this company generate in profit? But you also got to look at what that company is grossing. And I'm going to tell you why. Say, for example, that company grosses a trillion dollars. Big number, not even a trillion, let's say a billion, right? Okay. A billion dollars and their net profit, their net profit and their net income, there's a difference. Net profit is um, your income less your, I want to say cost of goods sold. Net profit is all the way at the bottom, or net income is all the way at the bottom. And this is actually, it's actually good that we're doing this. So you have your gross income, then you have your cost of goods sold, and then in between there, from cost of from your from your gross profit to your net income is a whole bunch of expenses. You got salaries, you got investments, you got interest, 
you got a whole lot of wealth that that company has generated, all those jobs, all that stuff. And so it's not just about the, how profitable your company is. Say, for example, you own a rental property. Say, for example, you own an apartment complex, right? Okay. And this apartment complex um, needs management. And so you're like, you know what? I'm going to just have my wife handle the management. You just gave her a job. And it's an expense you're already going to have to spend anyway. Oh, I need, I need my books managed. Oh, I'm going to have my mom just manage the books and I'll pay her as this. You just gave her a job. Right. Now she doesn't have to go through all the stuff that she's going through on the, uh, in the office where people are treating her like she's not smart enough or disrespecting her and not giving her promotions. You gave your family a promotion. And then all the way at the bottom, you have your profit. You have your cash flow. You were going to get the cash flow anyway. You were going to get the net profit anyway. Your investors were going to get paid anyway. But by buying a business, you created opportunities for your family. I don't understand if people know how important that is, but so many of us are out here lacking opportunity, lacking what we need to get by. And we don't realize like, yeah, the business might net you a hundred grand a year, but you just mm-hmm. had paid out $900,000 worth of expenses that goes towards your community. So effectively you actually made a million dollars that year. You actually made a billion dollars that year. It just got distributed in a bunch of different ways. And so then a lot of people manufacture their net income so that it actually looks small than it actually is so they can pay less taxes. So business is the hack in a lot of ways. And I hope that I didn't lose people, but I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> nah, I think, I think people could follow along. I think, I think the way you put it is making me think about it in a, in a new light. Yeah. Well, I'm, happy, like, I'm uh, happy about that because I mean, a lot of us, like, we look at, like, oh, like, he sold the company and he's rich. But it's like, what about all those jobs, bro? Like, what about all the people they're going to fire? What about all that stuff? Like, I, I just am a proponent of owning it forever. And that's not even a Charles principle. That's a Warren Buffett principle. Warren Buffett believes in that. He said his time horizon for an investment is forever. And I take a lot of advice from Warren Buffett. Yeah, I just don't believe in selling, man. So selling is a no. Gotcha. I think I'll, I'll drop that now. <laughs> no more vari- no more variations on that one. All right. Dang. So all right. So I wasn't going to cover this tonight, but the way this is flowing, I'm gonna. I, I wanted to save it for like a different episode, but let me ask you now. I wanted to do talk about business style or wealth building style in terms of Jay-Z versus Dame Dash. Okay. Now let me let me let me frame that. Uh Dame Dash, you know, he's all about being independent, being a boss, like mm-hmm. not having a job. Uh he also be- believes in selling businesses, though, but building businesses to sell them. Mm-hmm. He's all about flipping. He's all about building a business, flipping them, mm-hmm. having multiple business going at the same, multiple businesses going at the same time, kind of like uh, uh, octopus method, kind of like Grant Cardone, having multiple stuff going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. He has, I guess, like three stages. Dame Dash, uh, his businesses. Some of them are brand new. Can't. They they're not making any money, but he has some. Let me let me do it the other way. He has some that are like fully mature, 
making lots of money, profitable, making a bunch of cash. Then he has some that are brand new, that are not making money, struggling, trying to get them off the ground. He has the, the mature companies feeding those companies, keeping them afloat until they can break even. And he has the companies in the middle that are breaking even. They're just making enough money to break even and just holding on until they could make profits. Now, versus, I say, Jay-Z, he has his own businesses, but he does a lot of joint venture stuff. He does like uh, kind of like a hybrid model, like in some ways similar to you, have a regular job, but not, not really like you. But we'll talk about that later. But he have like endorsements or be kind of more like an employee, but then he'll have investments on the side, kind of like a hybrid model. And he'll be like, in, he'll be more like an endorsement and sometimes an employee, sometimes he's an owner or employee slash partial owner. What do you think of the, the two different styles? If you understand what I'm saying. So first and foremost, I wanted to touch on this because I think it's really cool and it's something I've experienced it. I've experienced, but it's this idea that your investments fuel your other investments. And so Dame Dash, what he's doing, because ultimately the goal is investments that win. But what's really cool is as you're doing, your um, your wealth kind of starts to build wealth for you. So his successful businesses or in our instance, successful properties actually allow us to do more stuff. So an example is we're looking at a duplex and I've been telling people like, hey, let's stack the rental income, stack the rental income, stack the rental income, let's not pay out stuff because opportunities are gonna present itself and I'd rather us use our rental income to buy more homes than buy more Louis Vuitton. And so mm -hmm. that came up today where we're looking at a duplex and I'm like, hey, so we're gonna strategically position this so it's gonna be a joint venture between us and a partner. Um, we're gonna fund the one half the acquisition and one half of the rehab. And I was like, the kicker is we're going to do it with all our rental income that we've been sitting. So we're gonna acquire it these people, my partners, are going to have a stake in all the properties that they, that they already own and now a duplex, and they didn't spend any money. Basically, our tenants are giving us a duplex. I don't understand if people really know how amazing that is, but imagine if I was just like, here, here's a duplex, and you didn't do anything for that duplex. That's what's happening for these people. They didn't do nothing, and they're getting a duplex. Mm -hmm. I think that that is, it's, it's, sometimes I say stuff and it's simple and we walk over it and we're like, damn, that's a gym. But like, nah, like that's life changing stuff because we're coming from people who are over here saying they can't, people who are saying like, oh, we can't build wealth. It's impossible for us to now we're literally being given property and retaining what we have. We didn't have to sell it. And so I would say that I personally don't really even think Jay-Z is a business person. Well, he's a business person, but he's not an entrepreneur. I think that's the difference. Ah, uh, okay. okay. Dame Dash is an entrepreneur. Dame Dash is a builder. Jay-Z has success because he has the image. He has the brand. He has the talent. And so because he, he has, has access. All, huh? He, gets in, he has access, too. He, has, he gets in certain rooms. And not only that, his product is also marketing. So Jay-Z has something where he can get on a, a track and talk about Ace of Spades 
and people start buying ace of spades right they, they, they say it's i forget what it is but it's like they the media is basically like uh uh i can't know i don't know i'm not sure what it's really called but basically like the media is advertising in a lot of ways the media tells you what they want you to do and so jay-z has kind of become the media and in a lot of ways we are becoming the media with podcasts and social media and Twitter and all that stuff. So I don't see Jay-Z as a business, as a, as an entrepreneur, he hasn't started anything. And the things that he has started, he stopped doing like rock sports and all that stuff because, and, and Dame is an actual entrepreneur. Dame, I feel like, unfortunately, his success is always compared to Jay-Z's success. So if you have somebody who's making a billion versus somebody who's making 10 million, you're going to look at the guy who's making 10 million as though he's nothing, even though 10 million is pretty impressive. Right. And so I think that you can't really compare them because Jay-Z has always been the talent. And then you connect him with Beyonce and it just, it increases everything. And I think that people don't give that union enough credit. People don't give the union of Jay-Z and Beyonce enough credit. I think that Jay-Z helped turn Beyonce into what she is and this iconic yeah. figure. And I think that Beyonce has helped Jay-Z become who he was. Because isn't that, like, Jay-Z, before Beyonce, I think Jay-Z was worth, like, maybe $200 million, if that, at that point in time. And now he's five times that. There's a lot of value in marriage. There's a lot of value in being connected to just that level of an individual. So I would just say that I think that could probably be where Dame is falling short. I think that he has he has a girl that he's with, but she's not on Beyonce levels. Um like the girl Rocky, like she's yeah. black. And I think that I think that makes a difference. I think you really got to marry in your race. But um, yeah, I, I respect Jay Z for what he's doing. I think he is truly a, a businessman, entrepreneur. He is not. So you will lean more. I think toward... more, more of us can relate to Dame Dash. More mm-hmm. there's we're, there's going to be more of us that are Dame Dashes getting it out the mud, starting to branch from zero then there are rappers who are parlaying their rap career into more money. True. And True. that's why I connect with Dame more. It's cool to look at what Jay-Z's doing, but Jay-Z makes money with these companies because he's Jay-Z. And so if you have, you really have to think about it, we're over here saying Jay-Z is making these people, Jay-Z's a billionaire, but he's made other billionaires. He's making companies billions upon billions of dollars. For example, he, he gets a... a he gets a contract with Live Nation to go, I think it was like a $200 million, I think it was like $150 million to tour with with uh, Live Nation. Live Nation probably made $2 billion off of him. That is not what bosses do. Jay-Z is a very, very highly paid employee. He might be a billionaire, but he's a very highly paid employee. You know who else is a highly paid employee? LeBron James. LeBron James is just yeah. another Jay-Z where... Yeah, you're a billionaire, but are you a billionaire because of you did some Robert, Robert Smith stuff? Or are you a billionaire because you made other people trillionaires? Like, it's just a highly played employee. And that's why you can't really look up to it. You can't say like, oh, man. Like, honestly, I think that Jay-Z was a sponsor. He had a sponsorship deal with the Ace of Spades brand before he actually owned the company um, with the Nets. The Nets was more so a marketing play. They wanted to have Jay-Z sitting courtside, promoting all the stuff, coming back to Brooklyn. So it's like the problem yeah. with being an employee, no matter how highly paid you are, you're still a pawn. 
you are still a pawn in somebody else's game. Dame Dash does what he wants to do. Dame Dash puts on who he wants to put on. Dame Dash builds things that actually benefit the community, not just selling champagne or selling sports or selling entertainment. Jay-Z, and I think that, I don't know, I just, I just feel like I just respect Dame a lot more, despite, I mean, he sells alcohol too, but, um, and he also has a lot of movies that I don't really agree with the, the, the content of those movies. But like I said, more of us can relate to Dame than we can relate to, to Jay-Z. I see where you're coming from. Um, I think he, maybe he is kind of unrelatable. He, on the scale that he's doing it on is kind of unrelatable. It's kind of like um, the Harlem Capital guys. Um, now, you know John Henry. I do. He, he's like the entrepreneur. He started a business. He's always talking about starting businesses, whatever. Henry now, there's another guy in the group. That, like He's a, he's the probably the second most popular in the group. Uh, Brandon, I think his last name is Bryant. The suit guy? Yeah. He started a... a he has a site is a Wall Street paper. Yeah, I know that guy. Completely different method of doing things. He's more of like a influencer mm-hmm. and he's parlaying with brands and has deals and partnerships. And it's like night and day with them. It's kind of like similar. Mm-hmm. And it's like I look at it and I'm like, man, you're doing your thing. But you're kind of like depending on other people for these partnerships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you... I don't, I don't like that. I'm, a, I'm about. I was honestly, and I still might. I'm about to start my <laughs> own construction company. I'm not going through GCs anymore. Um, I feel like you, you got to be vertically integrated in a lot of ways. Um, I, and I just, I don't believe in depending on other people. I don't believe in asking other people for permission. I don't believe in giving somebody else. The ability to tell me yes or no, but yeah, um, I think that if anything, I one thing I noticed is that um, the tone on Breakfast Club has changed ever since Dame Dash was there. Like, if you listen to DJ Envy talk, he's changed in a lot of ways, and I think that that's important. Epic. Yeah, I think that's important. He's talking more ownership, more real estate, more passing things down to his kid. Um, but the problem with that is nobody ever really gave Dame his due. Like, and this happens to me a lot of times too, where I'll say something, people will disagree with it. And then next time you look up, they're over here doing what I told them to do. And I they never that, come back and say, they never turn back around and say, you know what? You're right. I think about he was right. Right. Yeah, they just move right. on. And that's a problem. It's a problem in a lot of ways. But one thing that I, I say is that that's why I stop arguing with people because people will tell you that you're wrong just so they don't lose the argument. Not because you're actually wrong. They just don't want to lose the argument. So That's true. I got to wrap this up because it actually mm-hmm. is family night. And gotcha, man. Invest in women. Invest in your wife. And make sure you <laughs> grow that well, relationship. I think, this, I think this was pretty good, man. I think so, too. So whenever you put it up, I think we should call this um, Talking Tweets. With Ty Capital, because I think that it'll allow people. Because so many times, like I put out a tweet, and somebody will say, "Can you expand on this?" And I'm like, first and foremost, I don't have time to do that. But another instance is like, I 
just don't want to explain myself to a whole bunch of people because they're not the only person asking me that question. So, I mean, we could, a working title be talking tweets. It'd be cool because my tweets, a lot of people think they're kind of like legendary and you can ask me questions and I mean, I can talk to you about what you want to talk about. And we can start there. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, brother. Thank you for having me on. Good luck with everything. All right.